Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. I'm here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We're also here with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Christian Cunningham. And on the dials is intern Erica. Erica, are you still feeling the effects of the Vancouver Mountains? <laughs> this is going to be the question for the end of time. Well, I just, I'm always curious because when you on vacation, people come back refreshed. And for me, it fades in about 48 hours. Are yeah. you still feeling the vibes? Yeah. Good. Okay. I think so. Nice. I want it to last as long as and possible. And what's the biggest change in your life again? <laughs> uh, like since I've been back? No, like since the mountains have had its effect. Like what What do you think the number one change? Like you said, it changed you. Like my outlook, probably. I just right. feel, it's I actually don't feel like it's super compelled to like drink. No? You, you don't need to drink. I haven't like craved a drink since You're I've been back. You're high in your own supply. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Which is weird because as you guys probably know, I like to indulge. Uh-huh. Mm. So you like to party. You're That's getting, cool. You yeah. get into a healthier spot. Uh, maybe. Maybe I'll start. I don't know. You are drinking yeah, so. uh, something right now, though, which we won't mention. Yeah, but it's just a little. A little something for the podcast. A little uh-huh. post work, you know. I'm yeah, we've all worked hard today. <laughs> Speaking of today, a lot is going on. Before we get into uh, topics or actually what Max and I did today, because Max and I did something very cool today, which we'll get to. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Lucy Cunningham. Front page of the Hamilton Spectator. This yeah. was a huge deal. I was going through my old uh, Insta, actually in the Champagne Boys group. Everybody was talking about it. Uh, there was a, a physical s- copy too, heart, and uh, a Twitter well, and like, digital. Like a proud data. It looked like you bought three physical copies of the Spectator. That was my sister, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's proud actually. Aunt. So explain what it was. So Lucy went to a climate rally. Yeah. Actually, Max, could you explain what it was? I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not 100% sure what it was. Uh, I know there's like a Swedish girl or something. and <laughs> <laughs> We'll get there, too. Okay, so you explain what it was. Well, basically, there's been uh, the climate uh, conference is ha- summit is mm-hmm. happening in New York City, and there's been a bunch of protests all around the world. Marches. Marches, world, I should call yeah. it. And uh, Hamilton, I think Hamilton's having another one on Friday as well, because I heard one, a bunch of McMaster students are, are going to be downtown. Cool. But yeah, so Lucy took the bus downtown by herself. Did tell her parents? No, no. uh, (laughs) It's like Lucy went to the march. No, she went with her mom. Okay. And uh, her mom made the sign too. Is it weird? I always think, is it weird to say went with her mom as opposed to my wife? Her mom went with her? Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Lucy drove. Uh, Did you know that your wife, Alex, was taking the baby to the climate march? By the way, partner? Sorry, Max is still on a tangent <laughs> yeah, here. Mike, could you repeat that? Did you know that Alex was taking Lou to the march? My partner, Alex. Uh, he, <laughs> my wife. Yeah, we got married. Uh, also Lucy's mom. But <laughs> I I knew something was up because only because she messaged me to help her with uh, copy for the signs. Mm. Mm. And then uh, Alex didn't like any of my copies. So she's like, no, 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 I got it. And then because I was like. I had a line like, uh, I want you to change my diaper, not the planet. Mm. And then uh, Alex was like, I, I got something better than that, but it's diaper related. And then she's like, uh, the one that really was the big hit, because she had two signs made, and it was just debating which one will actually grab headlines, because that was Alex's actual like goal. Mm. Besides spreading positivity. Oh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was to have <laughs> to a go viral. Baby. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so it, it said, I want a warm bottle. No. Yeah. I want a warm bottle, not a warm earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so it, we were very curious, would Lucy actually hold the sign? Because huh. you're not going to go viral if the baby's not holding the sign. It can't just be a mom and like, oh, I've got a baby. And you're kind of pressing the sign up against the baby's chest. But Lucy 
is such uh can you call a baby an attention whore? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's gonna be the title of this episode. <laughs> Well, she's, she's a little ham. Yeah, Lucy's a little cute ham. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when she saw that people with signs were getting uh, a little bit of attention, Lucy just grabbed the sign and ran in front of everybody and was like, Rah, look at me. And then she, she noticed there's a photographer. <laughs> How old is your, your child? Uh, one, Lou's she, like one and a half. She's one. almost 17 months. Okay, but on. Lou is, she knows a camera. Like you, you probably know. Yeah, like your yeah, daughter they, knows when there's a camera. They know out. now when you're pointing a thing at them to take. And a photo. Lucy's, she's part of a blog, so Lucy really knows how to pose, and she gets excited, and she knows she gets rewarded for doing a good po- pose, like with a smile and a laugh and everything. So she, <laughs> so she sees the photographer, and she just runs right up in front and holds the sign up and mm. goes, "Raw!" And everyone's like cheering and taking photos of, mm. of Lucy without asking, but we're cool with it. <laughs> we go there for attention. And uh, sure enough, she made the front page of the Hamilton Spectator, Damn. which is our big local newspaper. Mm. Yeah. And uh, then Alex put up a photo of her, a separate photo, a personal photo that she took and uh, put it on her, her blog, This Family Tree. And it ended up getting over 5,000 likes Woo! and hun- hundreds of comments, but huge backlash. Oh, so you think, oh, what what would be the backlash? And then there's people like that baby doesn't even know what it, that sign says. Mm. It's like it's like yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, and it, and it's like, how dare you indoctrinate her mind before she can make a decision for herself? How about you wait till she grows up and then she can have her own views on climate change? And it's kind of like, oh, like I I see your point, <laughs> kind of, but there, <laughs> there really is no like. Let's say we're all wrong about climate change, like. Uh, there's no there's no harm in recycling and stuff you know even if we are wrong it's not it's not a bad thing yeah no i know what you mean you, you know what i mean it, it yeah feels it, like it's, it's like it's like isn't it better to be safe than sorry basically is what you're saying yeah yeah it's like what's what's the harm if it turns out we're all like every scientist has been wrong about this for the last 30 years um and but we did some good recycling. Then, then it good. was a noble pursuit yeah. well, here's the flip side let's say that the climate demi- deniers turns out they were wrong we're all fucked. Yeah, yeah. Like I'd rather err on the side of people that are are, are thinking that there might be an issue well, and trying to prevent it now. It's funny you say that because that was another thing that got her in hot water was somebody had a sign in the background that said "We're fucked." Uh, so it was like real nice protest. We're fucked. I thought this is was about positivity, mm. and it's like yeah, but you know you're being you're like this is so bad. Let's be good. It's kind of like that. And mm. then someone was like, oh, bringing your baby to a very loud rally and. And with all mm. these people, and it was like it wasn't actually a loud rally. Mm. Mm. You know, so it's interesting. I uh, have had a similar kind of thing to you on the internet in the last week. I uh, had two Twitter posts, um, and oh yeah, the first one I was uh, flying home from LA. I just bought the Malcolm Gladwell book, and I just tweeted. It was the most harmless tweet in my opinion. I said. Uh, really looking forward to this book. I know some of the smart people really bristle at Malcolm Gladwell, but I find him uh, to be really like curious and joyful, and it always leads to hours oh, of conversation. You alienated the dummies who like Malcolm Gladwell. They're like, we're not smart. <laughs> no, no, no. But I call myself a dummy in saying like I like his thing. I, um, mm-hmm. And then somebody basically posted a, a, a transcript of an interview he did with Bill Simmons, and there's a controversial. Excerpt Jerry where, Sandusky. where he was talking with Jerry Sandusky, which yeah. I'm not going to get into, but I do it's recommend it. It's on Deadspin it. if you yeah. want to go follow this sort of. And thread. I just read the chapter, and that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But basically, I tweeted back at this 
fella. And I, cause I checked out his Twitter and I was like, this guy, I could tell he likes the same stuff I like, like the stuff he's sharing. I'm like, we, we agree. So I just, I texted him back. I said, I genuinely don't know what you'd like me to do with this tweet. I can either a stop reading Malcolm Gladwell and Bill Simmons. I can B stop sharing them. C I can improve the ratio of goofy Twitter endorsements versus um, serious ones. Cause maybe you want me to be serious on my Twitter. Please advise, and I'll do it. I'll just, I'll just do it. And then he said, "Hey, no, 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 it's cool. I don't want to tell you what to do. Yeah, no, it's all good. I like Gladwell too." And then, so that happened. And then another person criticized me um, for. Oh, I asked another kind of innocent question. I said, "Who's a politician that is considered progressive, but also not considered condescending?" You know, it's in the Venn diagram because usually, yeah. if you're a progressive, like smart person, you also some people will think you're condescending. It was just like an innocent question. And then someone said, stick to music, man. Don't put your politics in. And I was like, I was, I was like, I was really not trying to inject any of my own personal politics. It was just a genuine question. What do you think I should do next time? How much yeah. should I be able to, to talk about or just like muse on politics on my Twitter? Please advise. And I'll oh, do yeah, it. I saw this and they were like, good, because once I start knowing politics, I start disliking the bands I like or something. No, I know. No, that was a different. I oh. don't know about that one. But yeah. I just said, please advise and I'll do it. And they said, no, man, you're you're smarter than me. It's cool. Do whatever you want. So basically, I think if you just tell someone to tell you exactly what to do and you just give them full control, they just don't know what to do. And they go, oh, I'm sorry, man. I apologize. Because people just like to criticize, but they don't like to give any sol- solutions, I find, often when it comes to like Twitter arguing. Yeah, and people are, are not expecting to be confronted. Yeah. They're just like, I'm just going to throw this in the garbage. And then you're like picking it up and being like, excuse me. You're like, oh, sorry. I dropped that by accident. Anyway, Twitter, man. So do you want to get to what we did today? Or yeah, yeah, let's talk we about were it. also going to discuss Ad Astra, the Brad Pitt film. But Ooh, I don't know if know, we're going to go too deep on You know that. what? I kind of um, this is a homework assignment for all of our listeners. Just go see Ad Astra. The reason why I want this, I have a, an idea. Maybe it's a bad idea. I want you to prepare like a five minute review that you sure. write. And that you recite on air. And I want Matt Frookman, Book Club Maddie, to prepare a five minute review of Ad Astra because uh, you guys have exact opposite reviews. Yeah. I think you guys have the best taste in music, uh, sorry, movies that I know. You guys are like so well read when it comes to pop culture, your movie acumen. You guys, if I think of two people that love movies, it's you two and Shane and Greg. So there, mm-hmm. but, and it was just so funny that Max was getting a look from Shane. <laughs> anyway, it just shocked me. And also, there was a father-son dynamic, and you guys both lost your dad at the age of sixty. Like, you guys have a lot in common, right? In that respect, and you guys gave me exact opposite reviews. So I kind of want you guys to do do that. So together. now I don't get to hear about the movie. No, can I hear from you? Uh, no. Well, wait, wait, wait till the next episode. <laughs> just did you like it? I thought, but here's and then I want to get to how I feel about it because I I, I want to know. I, I'm sort of investigating my own feelings on this as to what do I actually like? Because you really I, let people tell you oh, how to think yeah, and very, feel. Very <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell me and I'll do it. I'll do you it. tell me how I'll to feel, feel about the movie and I will feel well, that no, way. Matt loved it and he saw it twice. He saw it for a second time with me because he's like, I'll go again. I'll go with yeah. you, Max. And then you said you hated it. I'm like, what do I feel about I it? I did not hate it. Okay, whatever. We'll well, you, oh, you just told everyone. Well, my review is nuanced. I mean, I could mm-hmm. read exactly what it came out of. Was I sent Max a text right after I got to the film because I knew he saw it on the Friday. I went on the Saturday, and then I went. I sat and I thought about how I felt about the film, and then I just wrote a quick little paragraph, shot it to Max, and he was like, "Save this for the pod." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I had an idea for a bit where Matt and uh, yeah. Mike argue about it. Yeah. 
Anyway. I certainly don't hate it, and I don't think it's a bad movie, but I have thoughts. Yeah. Okay, let's save it. Yeah. We're going to bring Matt in. It'll be good. Okay. Uh, so, so let's talk about our day because it was a fun day. Okay. This was a crazy day for me. This was actually, I'm like, I'm still kind of buzzing, even though this thing happened like nine hours ago. Mm-hmm. I was getting out of the shower uh, this morning, and my phone binged, and I had a text from Max. Mm. And it was because you've become really good friends, as our listeners know, with Nick Nurse. I wouldn't say really good rappers. friends, but like we're text buddies. Your pals. Who likes yeah. who more? Well, here's the thing: is that like Nick Nurse is Canada's most beloved coach at this this moment in time, and generally very well liked everywhere he goes, and has been coaching for thirty years. Uh, so I don't want to be the person to bother him ever. Like we had this great moment in the summer when he came on the stage with Arkells. We've kept in touch, but I don't want to be the guy going, "Hey, Nick, what's going on?" Like I, you know, I don't want to be texting him. Like you don't want to bother. Nick I don't Nurse. want to bother him. Got, but yeah. but if he wants to chat with me, of course. I'd love to talk music with him, talk basketball with him. I'm up for that, of course, because I'm obviously a big fan of him, and I find him truly to be a very sweet, genuine, sincere, curious kind of guy. Yeah. So, uh, so he'll drop me a line from time to time. We were te- uh, texting on WhatsApp uh, when he was over in um, in China with Team Canada because he was coaching the Canadian national men's basketball team. And then I never checked my WhatsApp, and then I realized uh, on Monday, yesterday, he he had texted me on WhatsApp on Friday saying, "Hey, you back, bro?" Because I was in, he knew I was in LA because I was texting when we were down there, and then I texted him on uh, iMessage. I was like, oh, "Sorry, this is really annoying." <laughs> sorry. Um, and then what? So basically, and then this happened, and, and then, then <laughs> sorry, sorry. Then we're on MySpace, and, and then my phone binged, and it was then Nick, I hotmailed him. <laughs> then we switched over to Gmail. Here's where the Twitter DMs got extra spicy, though. <laughs> sorry, long story he short, was like, Do you were communicating. <laughs> Over various devices. Are you on what MSN? Were you saying? Yeah. Oh. So he, but he said, "Hey, do you want to come by? Uh, the, the guys are scrimmaging today. If you want to come by, uh, you can c- come by and watch the Raptors practice. A bunch of the guys are in town." So I take a screenshot of that, send it to Mike, because I know Mike would appreciate this more than anybody I know. And I, we have a lot of basketball loving friends. We do. Mike, Mike is at the top. Does WhatsApp alert on screenshots though? No, we are on iMessage. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's important, bro. So yeah, so so Nick is inviting Max to go to the OVO Athletic Center where the Raptors, a bunch of them are in town. Training camp starts on Saturday, but guys are in early for this sort of like voluntary thing to show up. I didn't know really what to expect other than uh, the fact that there was going to be a bunch of raps there and Nick Nurse. And I just didn't know. I've never even been inside like the no. OVO. Like who's been inside there? There the Raptors. For those of you that don't live in the city, have this like beautiful practice facility right downtown here that's not as a part of the ACC yeah it's near Ontario place kind of thing that direction so I was like are you serious like Max like do you want to come with me I'm gonna go watch the team practice and kind of see how one of these things does like it's a closed door sort of like camp I was like fuck yes I am this is amazing yeah it was like 9 15 or 9 30 yeah and we were gonna supposed to be there for 11 I was in Hamilton at this point you were in Hamilton I was in Toronto He's like, all right, I'll drive out. I'll meet you at the uh, the OVO Athletic Center at 11 o'clock. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I, I, I get ready. I go to work. And then I, I leave work. I jump in an Uber. Go down. Again, I don't know what to expect. Uh, I meet up with Max. Uh, we go like walking up. We're both kind of like giddy. Like yeah. I'm like, this is my Christmas right now. I'm like, I can't believe this. Uh, Nick's uh, assistant, Jenny, comes yeah. out and like greets us. Uh, Couldn't we, be sweeter. The Shout nicest, to Jenny. Nicest person in the world. We go in there. I'm like, oh, wow. Like there's the big Raptors logo. And we're going through the hallway. And I'm thinking, because it's like two decks. There's like an observation deck where like I guess when visitors come, they put them up on the second floor and you can look down on the two courts. But 
she walks us like to the main court area and she's like, oh, this is so-and-so and he'll walk you through. And then we're now in the gym. I walk in to my right. There's Stanley Johnson who the Raptors just signed. He's putting up threes. Oh shit. There's OG and Anobi. He's putting up shots and they just walk us across the court as dudes are doing work on one court. We go to the next court. There's like a little middle part where you can like sit in chairs and observe and we're just like standing there at like there's like a scores table and Max and I are like we're on the floor and all these NBA players like Pascal Siakam, uh, uh, you see Freddie Van. Probably twenty guys there. There's like twenty guys there. They're like they're doing different types of drills and they have all the coaches and assistant coaches. They're all doing their thing and Max and I are kind of like there in like our jeans and like you know I'm wearing a jean coat but everybody else is in like athletic. We're the only two guys that aren't affiliated with the team that are just standing there. Would it have been weirder if you were in athletic gear though? <laughs> <laughs> it's like are these guys training with us? I hope not. But it's like. It's like we weren't in like like I feel like executives or like somebody that visits the team usually it's in a business capacity. Oh, you're like, in that awkward middle ground. It's where, like these yeah. aren't brand partnership people. Mm-hmm. These aren't suits. These aren't athletic. It's like what are these guys, right? They're not reporters because there was no reporters there. No, like these guys aren't press. So then I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And Nick happens to be across the court. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, I guess we'll just kind of stand here. And Nick's like in the middle of running sort of a practice. And Max like, yeah, I don't know. He'll probably like come over when he's done or whatever. Then like mid scrimmage, Nick big wave over to Max and then just cuts across the court, beelines it to Max, like stops what he's doing while everything's still scrimmaging. Gives Max a huge hug. I'm like, this is wild. Max like, oh, it's my friend Mike. I'm like, oh, Nick, how's it going? Nice to meet you. He's like, yeah, nice to meet you too. Nicest guy in the world. We just start like talking shop. He's sort of explaining when the drill they're running. Asking, oh, it's the best. Yeah, and he's like, just, what was the drill? Three uh, man. They were running a bunch of drills that no, not three man. A bunch of drills I hadn't seen before. No look past drills. But when mm. we when we walk in, the Doobie Brothers are playing. Yeah, like, like live or on the radio. <laughs> And, and I know uh, he's a big fan of like classic rock and blues and 70s and 80s music and stuff. I was like, Nick, are you DJing this this practice right now? Who, who's picking this up? He's like, no, we brought our own DJ. We're the only team in the NBA that's got its own DJ. Points oh, points to the corner. Points to the corner and there's a guy on some decks. Oh, did that piss you off? No, but they, because, no, you tell it. So he points to the thing and he's like, yeah, we're the only team in the NBA that's got uh, got our own DJ. So he's playing tunes and then we kind of continue talking. Uh, we start to hear Leather Jacket comes on. Nick Nurse goes, I told him you were coming. <laughs> oh my God. So you think there's going to be, so literally the NBA players are scrimmaging doing fucking three-man reads like you said, no look pass to like. It was like, it was like no, I think it was Drake's dad, 11-11, Leather Jacket knocking at the door all in a row. All in a row. Whoa. <laughs> It was in our Kel's <laughs> playlist while the Raptors were doing their thing. Anyway, it was just Did so they funny. get pumped up to any song? Like knocking at the door? Yeah, Freddie Van Fleet was like, I love this shit! <laughs> no, I did not say I will say one of the guys, uh, not one of the main guys, but one of the, like, uh, the, sort of the camp invite guys was grooving and knocking at the door. I meant to tell you that. Oh, no. I saw him like kind of like doing a thing as, it, as the oh, song was picking great. up and momentum. So then I'm like, okay, Nick's going to sort of like stand here with us for five minutes and then go back to like running the practice. Nick ends up chatting with us like... Super cool, talking music, talking sports. We're talking about stuff from the playoffs. We're talking about like coaching philosophy, coaching philosophies, like how he like manages certain um, sort of situations with players. Like, and it's that fine line where I'm like, I don't want to geek out. Like, I don't want to like bombard him. And he's probably talks basketball all the time, and I don't want to seem like I'm Mike on watching him. Where I'm like, and then what do you think about this? And it has to be conversational, you know. But he was talking about traveling because, like Max said, they were in Australia and China for Team Canada. I was about the, 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 his wife and his kids traveling with them, and we just we just a real conversation. Max is like, oh, Mike actually uh, has an 11 month old. I was like, oh, and I was talking about starting daycare, and then he was talking about it was just like this real kind of connection moment, which then turned into like what an hour and a half conversation. Yeah. So yeah, he just basically stopped paying attention. No, he wasn't not paying attention to practice because he was dialed in. Like, and every once in a while, mid-sentence, 
he'd be like, oh, missed the pass. Like in the scrimmage, mm-hmm. he's watching the game go on or an assistant would come up and say something. He'd be like, yeah, you need that, 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 that. And then he would come back to like chatting with us. Who did he talk to more, you or Mike? I, you know what? Naturally, he, because he knows me better, like you'd think that I might get 85% of the attention. But I, I didn't. And, and I'm cognizant because often that happens with me in social situations just with my spot in the band. But I thought he was very good at giving his attention to both of us. It felt like, a, like, yeah, a, it felt an, like honest, an honest three. Are we saying 50-50? Yeah, 60-40. Yeah. For, towards yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, but, like, but, it, but it was a testament to, I mean, Mike's a great hang, but also Nick just being like that kind of person mm-hmm. who's used to talking to people in groups. Right. Um, yeah, it was, what else? It was so Great fun. stories, like really insightful, uh, really great guy, funny guy, like jokes. Like we were making jokes on the sideline. Let's like, hear a joke. Having laughs. Well, I mean, this is the, this is the thing, you know, it's funny too, because Max and I were like, are we going to like talk about like our experience? And it's like, it's that fine line where it's like, you don't want to come on a podcast and like be like, because well, like, it's like, we kind of got to do this really fun thing and Max is pals with this guy. So it's like, you come on and it's like, and then we talked about this and then we talked about that. It's like, well, no, the conversation was amongst you know, it's private. Uh, the one, the one thing I'll say is that not anything salacious or crazy. Yeah, but no, just no, like, no, it was all just fun. It, it was, it was just mostly NBA nerd stuff. It was yeah. Like, what do you think of this guy? And, and and he was just kind of giving his honest take, and it was so much fun. But the one thing um, that I asked him about, which I thought was interesting, which I don't think is a surprise to anybody, but it was still cool for him to, to say it, was it was like, you know, you just got back from you know China coaching Team Canada. You obviously had a long playoff run. It's like. Do you ever get tired or, do, or does this pump you up? He says, no, I love this. Like, I'll do this all the time. The only time I've ever been tired is after we won the championship. <laughs> and I had to do all this, like, these interviews and the, and the parade and everything. He was like, your show? He was like, I was, I, you know, when I woke up that Saturday morning, I was about to call it in. I was about to quit. He's going to cancel. <laughs> I was going to cancel. <laughs> oh because God. he was like, you know, it's like, but this, but you, anyway, it just really made me appreciate how much these guys just truly love the competition they love the camaraderie they love um the the rhythm of practice they love the schedule they love just the the problem solving of the puzzle it's like they have a season coming up and he's got to fit these pieces and sort of like that piece of it yeah they they love it and it was and it was cool just to see them react to players make or miss shots go oh he's he's having a tough day like you know everything is important you know it's like it's, it is. it's all part of it so it's like i know for us it's like we think of the regular season as a slog and you know we think about how is the team going to do in the playoffs but it's like for these guys it's just like they're always competing all the time and as you say they're always trying to figure out the puzzle and i love that it was so much fun well when they finally scrimmaged they had like the first unit of like the guys that would be the starters um, they, they, kyle and serge and mark weren't there but everybody else from the team was there so they kind of had like a like a white team and a, a dark team which was like the second unit and it's like so we're still just talking shooting the shit having a great time and then every once in a while he'd be like, one more, one more. Like, he wants the extra pass to go, but then somebody would, like, drive or put up a shot or something that maybe wasn't the best shot. But he was always just, like, it almost reminded me of, like, when, when like, we're watching a, a, a game on TV together and we're having a conversation about something completely unrelated and then I'll weirdly yell at the TV yeah, yeah. about, like, a, a blown assignment or when you didn't make the, the, the extra pass. He would just sort of say that every once in a while to him. It's, like, it was very fascinating. And like I said, the assistants would come up and he'd be like, okay, let's uh, get that to happen, blah, blah, blah. So it was kind of like he was managing that, but then also just having, like, like a fun hang. Does he- you ever get hot you think like come on like you know coaches are notoriously you know we actually talked about we, that we a little bit. That. I was, yeah but yeah he uh like you said time to time he's like i like to have a good time i like i think it should be like a joyful thing but occasionally i'll, I'll you know 
Made it. So so we've been probably standing there for like an hour or whatever. It's it, it was like the greatest experience, especially for like a, a mega basketball nerd to like like literally Pascal Siakam was sitting far away from me as Max is right now. Like it was it was a testament to sort of the stimulation you're getting, Mike, because we had Nick Nurse like talking to us, and at some points Nick Nurse was not good enough for you. You were looking at the players on the court trying to like evaluate their performance, hundred percent plays. I was like. This is really saying something. The coach of your beloved Toronto Raptors is mentioning something to you, and you're not even paying attention because the only thing that could get your attention uh, more than the coach was what's happening. Well, I'm like, is Norm yeah. Powell making good choices with the ball? <laughs> How does Rondé Hollis Jefferson look? I'm like, Stanley Johnson, is he going to be a shooter or just a defender? Like, I really was, but I was I was paying attention. At one point, I actually felt you nudge yeah, me too. Was, yeah. Max actually nudged me because it's like, Nick Nurse is talking, Mike. <laughs> and then so I'm like, right, re-engage. It's like being out with Danica. It's like sometimes where it's like, Mike, we're in a conversation here. But it, so then Max is like, and Max has a really good, um, I think, sense for like, Let's wrap this up. You want to get out while everyone feels good. Whereas like me, I literally would still be there right now if it was just me. Uh, and so Max is like, all right, uh, we actually, we have to, we have to get going. So he's, he's like, oh, you guys, uh, you got to wrap it up. He's like, okay, but before you go, just one more thing. I'm like, okay. Brings us over to his office. He has like a coach's office that overlooks the whole so practice So he's leaving gym. practice at this point? Yes. Well, it overlooks the court. <laughs> it overlooks the court. He has okay. windows that look at the court or whatever. But at this point, the scrimmages are like wrapped. They're kind of like just getting individual work. Like the practice was winding down yeah. but he's like come check out the come 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 check out my office we're like okay this is cool uh we go into the office he's got a piano in the corner max has talked about how the reason they connected is because uh yeah we hooked him up with that piano you guys hooked him up with the piano he's got like this beautiful fender uh uh was it telly or was it strat i can't remember uh, it was a telly it was strat was, was it strat yeah no, sorry, it was a telly it, it was, was telly, yeah. yeah so it was a telly in the corner <laughs> and uh, so we go in there his, his office is great he's got all these cool books um and he's got like kind of like a bunch of paintings and some stuff on the wall and what do they have but a beautiful framed photo of him on stage with Arkells. Mm. We, we had sent him uh, a photo, and he oh, put nice. it in his office. It was beautiful, and Max goes to the piano, and he starts playing a couple licks, and then me and Nick literally sit down in the chairs, and I go, sing us a song, Maxie, and like <laughs> Nick started laughing, and then Max like, nah, and he just kind of played, and then Max kind of started noodling on, on the guitar, and then we just sat and talked for another 20 minutes, uh, just shooting the shit. It was like, it was the experience of a lifetime if you're like a basketball nerd, and uh, man, like what a way to start the day when literally... I didn't even know, like, just yeah, so random. It just happened. And, yeah, it was like, yeah, that's the sort of thing that, like, people would pay, like, a fortune for that experience. Yeah, just, like, it was time. It was one of those times where you're like, you feel so lucky. Like, the, yeah, the whole day has been amazing. Also, I will say the thing that happens is because, like, you, 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 you've sort of, you've been talking with him and you sort of hung out with him a bit, so it humanized him a bit. I obviously experience and, and consume basketball in a very one-sided way, meaning, like, I watch it on TV, I go to games, but I have no real connection or relationship with anybody. Spending time like that with Nick Nurse really humanizes somebody, and then you go, like, oh, yeah, it's like I watch you on TV and I have my opinions, but it's like when you hang out, you go, ah, you're actually, you're like a, you're a dude, like, you're a cool guy. It's like... You get to know someone a little bit, like you get a vibe or a feeling of their personality, and it's like, oh, like I, I'm pleasantly surprised. You don't always walk away from experience like that and be like, you know, I'm like that was like I would love to have a drink with that guy or go for dinner with that guy just because it's like, just like us, he likes telling stories and shooting the shit and like laughing at stories and like sort of engaging in the same way that all of us would at a bar. Yeah, what I'm drawn to with Nick Nurse, and I've, I've met uh, Babcock before too, and I think he has this as well, is that there's such a like um, a boyish enthusiasm for just being around your friends and your team and strategizing, and it's it's like I just love it. You know, Nick Nurse is probably 52, Babcock, Babs is probably in his 60 at this, 60s at this point, but he's just like they just like their, their youthful enthusiasm is so prevalent, and I find that to be such an attractive 
characteristic in anybody. Like, and I always look for that. Like with everybody I collaborate with, with in band stuff, especially it's just like, do you have that sort of like energy for like wanting to figure out the next thing and, and being a part of something bigger than yourself? And Nick Nurse like really has that, you know, because like I was saying, I was saying to Mike, I was like, I must be like, you know, number 275 on the list of people he's he could text right but clearly he like just likes being in touch with people likes learning imagine everyone else just said no though (laughs) (laughs) drake nope not again nope 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 (laughs) yeah it was awesome it was it was so cool which player in person is more uh the most impressive oh this is good well i'll say this og looks ripped og's big does he play shirtless no, he, none of them were shareless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but OG, like, you know, but they're all wearing like the sort of like skin tight oh, uh, Under Armour yeah. stuff. So he was ripped. Pascal was very big. I thought Pascal looked very big. Like tall or muscular? Both. Hmm. Both. Like he's just, he looked like a bigger human. Because sometimes on TV he looks like really He can look skinny. very thin, yeah. Yeah. He, you would have been impressed with like sort of his, his size. I don't know if he bulked up over the summer, but he looked big. He looked good. Freddie, although... What were you gonna say, Max? You just pointed at me. Uh, honestly, Freddie impressed me the most, which is insane because Freddie, uh, Freddie Van Fleet, he's like six feet tall. He's one of the shortest. You're taller guys than Freddie. Yeah, yeah. And this is the thing: is that uh, describe who who would have been at the camp because it was not all the Raptors were there, and there was a bunch of guys they invited to camp. So there's like twenty guys. Yeah. Ten of those guys are not going to make the team. Yeah, there's a few of them that won't, and then there's a bunch of guys under contract or partial contract. So so there's guys that are fighting for their sort of NBA. They really want to be on the roster when training camp opens on Saturday. A few of them will be sent home. Yeah, so all these guys that we're watching today all went to D1 schools. They were all probably the best player on their team, if or the top two or three yeah. players on their team. They all, when they're warming up, you know, all can hit threes, or everyone's, and, and can dunk, and they just look so physically impressive and so skillful but once the game started the scrimmages it, fred van fleet had a demand like had a command of the game that he was so clearly better than the the seven other guards that were there like just the way like butter through traffic mm-hmm. oh like he was getting right. layups like euro step left hand layups, like just cutting through stuff that like when you're watching other guys run the exact same stuff they couldn't get to the rim you know yeah the it, fact that he's not physically necessarily gifted no but he but he, he had impressive. a thing about yeah. him where he was he was he was taking practice really seriously yeah next that he's like the ultimate competitor and i was just like man you know i was i saw so i played basketball this afternoon with uh shad uh my old pal shad who used to host cbcq is an amazing rapper and lights his husband Bo, who's in a band, and Ernesto, who is the trombone player in Arkells. The four of us played at Christie Pitts. And Ernesto was like, "Man, I'm I'm playing in a men's league, and and Ernesto's really good. He's like six foot three. He's he's lefty, and he's like, man, but this is like these guys are like dunking in the league. Like these guys all probably played college ball. And oh, in like, this pickup league, he's playing. Yeah, 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 he's playing in a men's league in Toronto tonight. And I was just thinking, I was like. Ernesto, who I think to be a pretty good fucking basketball player, is afraid of the guys he's going to play tonight. The guys he's playing tonight wouldn't hold a candle against the guys we watched play this out. Who won't make the league. Who won't make the league. Yeah, and those guys could hardly hold the candle to Fred Van Fleet. And then we think of Fred Van Fleet. cute little Fred Van Fleet. Back up point guard. Back up point guard on the Toronto Raptors who happen to have a good playoff run. Anyway, it's just like you really appreciate how impressive these guys are. Actually, one funny moment was, uh, so when they're doing the scrimmage, there's like, um, so the sort of first unit comes down and uh, Norm cuts to the basket, Norm Powell, he gets hit with a pass, one dribble through traffic, goes up, slam dunk, left hand, just bang, right? And then they all start running on the thing. It was very impressive, especially when we were that up close. And then Nick Nurse just uh, leans into me and Max, he goes, 
Wouldn't it be nice to be able to do that? <laughs> and we were like, yeah, it'd be awesome. You know, like, yeah. And, and, but he wasn't saying it like at us. He was like including himself. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just like, wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice to be able to have that skill? I, I, it was a real delight. I feel like, you know, you, you hear all these like blowhards call into like the Fan 590 after a Raptors or a Leafs game and go, oh, so-and-so doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. It's like, when you get a – like Nick walked us through his day like – when you get a sense of how much these guys live and breathe this shit, you, no one would ever call in to the Fan 590 ever again with a complaint mm-hmm. with the coach. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. It's just like you realize like, oh, wait a second. I think I like hockey or I like basketball. But these guys literally not only like most of them played it, but have been thinking about it every waking hour their whole life. Like he's been thinking and living and breathing basketball literally every hour of his adult life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, like I'm, I'm. I don't even know if I'm exaggerating right now. No, I know what you mean. Like it's like it's, <laughs> it's like, like, and it's awesome. Like, and then you go, okay, sh- like I, you can't say that you didn't try your fucking hardest and you don't care more about it than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, a lot of like armchair quarterbacks are people that sit up from you know, and they're like, why didn't they do that? Or they're not thinking about this. And I've certainly been guilty of it mm-hmm. in moments of craziness. It's like <laughs> whatever you can think of. They've thought about it. They do this 24-7. Like, you watch them. He, he walked us through his day. You watch the sort of work they put in, and you're like, yeah. Like, obviously, they're they're thinking about it, and they're doing it. And uh, it was it was amazing. And a uh, huge shout-out to Nick Nurse and to you, Maxie. Oh, thanks thanks That's for bringing old, old Mike there. Yeah, hey. yeah, it's a good time. He'll be a champagne boy soon enough. I hope so. Yeah. Will he come on the pod? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I was saying to Max as we were leaving, I was like, I feel like we burned a whole podcast. I was like, if we had been like, say that conversation was like sitting down and having that conversation. But I also think that it's like it was a more candid conversation because it wasn't yeah, in it was a so press nice setting. Way, yeah. And like, you know, it's like it did like quickly switch from like, oh, this is surreal. And there's Nick Nurse, the championship head coach of the Toronto Raptors to like, oh, there's a dude and he's a pal of Max's. And then you just switch into another mode where it's like the other shit falls away. And now you're just having a conversation with a guy that has a cool job. Mm-hmm. And it shifted to that. And yeah, there you go. There you go. And people are probably wondering why I'm not complaining about not being. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask, but I also didn't want to bring it up. But are you what? What, well, happened? what happened was Max, uh, you know, gave me a call. And I was yeah. like, this is weird. I don't oh, get a call good. from Max. And usually when Max calls me, it's never to give me anything. It's always to uh, not give me something and, <laughs> and explain why he's not giving it to me. <laughs> like yeah you've never called me to say like yeah well if I, if I was giving you something i would just text you i know so yeah. i always like oh what am i missing out on now? <laughs> that happened today oh it happened today yeah but luckily <laughs> oddly this is one thing i don't really give that much a shit well about. well this is yeah. the funny thing max so, had a good line yeah yeah well so i was like uh so this thing's come up i'm gonna invite mike i i would obviously you'd be next in line but i can't have an entourage showing up to this fucking practice I'm, that's not gonna happen but any luck he'll be he'll be our friend and he'll be hanging out with us every day of the week uh and then you're like wait a second are you guys playing with them <laughs> and then i was like no we're just going to watch it's like oh I'd be really pissed off if you guys were playing. Is <laughs> <laughs> if you guys are just watching? I don't care. It's fine. Why? Because if he invited Mike over you, would that mean that Mike Max thought Mike was a better basketball player? No, no, it's not. It's nothing about that. It's just that Mac uh, Mike is a bigger fan, and he's put in all the work to be a fan. Even if they were playing, I would be jealous because potentially I'm a bigger fan of playing the game than Mike. You actually mm. want to play in a scrimmage, which would be much Just because much more it would fun. be very fun. But that being said, still, you've put in all the years of just claiming, hey, I'm into the Raptors, even <laughs> though it's not cool to be into the Raptors. <laughs> yeah. So you, just, those you deserve everything that's oh, coming. Whatever. But today, I'm like, oh, if I was to go and I had to stand with Nick, 
Mike and I actually were just talking about this, how awkward it is when you don't have anything to say to someone. <laughs> and I don't know, uh, like the stats and the players names and everything like the way Mike does. So mm. I, I'm just not interested in it in the yeah, way yeah. Mike so is. It so it worked out. Yeah. I actually would not want to be invited. I would actually turn it down if you offered me. Go. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to put myself through that stress. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. Like, oh, this is a nightmare. All right, let's get into some of these uh, some of these topics. That's why the people come yep. these days. They do want to come and listen to us talk about some of these topics. So Max has uh, picked a couple. The first one we're going to start with uh, is speeches because mm. there's been actually a few speeches uh, in the news, I guess, in the last 48 hours. Um, the Emmys happened on Sunday night. Uh, Michelle Williams gave a very memorable and moving speech uh, about pay equality and sort of like um, appreciating the fact that the producers of the show that she won her Best Actress Emmy for uh, – didn't hesitate to give her equal pay because, you know, she said that um, if you allow people to do their work and pay them properly, they will sort of repay you by doing the best job that they can. And mm -hmm. so she sort of thanked them and also said, so listen to a woman uh, when she says her price, especially a woman of color, because they make something like 52 cents on the dollar compared to their white male counterparts. It was a very sort of, in, in, I, I, I am not quoting, so if I misstated anything. No, basically, it was good. That was sort of the message of her speech, and it was very inspiring. Uh, there was a few speeches that night that I thought were pretty good, and then more recently, back on the climate change uh, tip, uh, Swedish shout girl, out, shout out to, oh, right. to Lucy, um, <laughs> a teenager spoke at this, uh, this conference, Greta Thunberg, uh, about basically how... The world powers need to start recognizing that climate change is a real thing and that it's obviously the children's future, not these sort of like older people that are in power who aren't going to be around here for the uh, theoretical downfall of the earth and our climate. Uh, but her speech was sort of, it went incredibly viral, as Shane says. Uh, I'm not sure if it made the front page of the Hampton Spectator, but it has been seen by, I can't remember what the number was, millions of people. Shot at my daughter's uh, <laughs> No, 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 no. No, not at all. Uh, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty moving speech. Since then, the president has trolled her on Twitter, <laughs> Donald what, Trump. What did he say? Oh, she <laughs> said something like, she seems like a very happy young girl. Excited for her future. Has a bright future ahead of her or something yeah. like that. And, and he's a troll because she's a very serious young girl. It was a very impassioned oh, and, and, yeah. and she... Uh, well, she has autism too, right? Yeah. yeah. And she talks about that too. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> like, nothing surprises me with Donald Trump. To, to the point where, not to get too sidetracked here but i almost i actually feel bad for trump because he's like he does not he's not able to feel empathy or do the right thing or act with compassion and to not have that it, i actually feel pity for a person who who doesn't have that in them yeah he's it's, it's you know what i mean you'd it's almost like, say it was like it could be like early onset of dementia uh -huh. but he's been he's like always that been like for this. so long yeah but see i always find it weird to feel bad for people in that situation because it, if you're a sociopath and you actually like you don't know what you're missing if you don't have it mm. so people like that just kind of always win because it's like if they don't care like does he lose sleep over something he said i, just, I would guess not here's the thing i think the the greatest joy and deepest sense of like, sort of gratification uh in life is the sense of human connection and and, and feeling love for somebody else so you're mourning that he doesn't have the full rich experience of yeah the human experience? I, I actually feel bad for him that he does not get that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 maybe he wants it, but he's not as good at being that way as he is at and, being and this, this horrible. Well, way. this is my point. I yeah. think in his heart of hearts, I wonder, and maybe maybe he's just like a sociopath, and in which case he has a mental illness. But maybe there's a part of him that he's never been able to acknowledge mm -hmm. that goes, oh, I just wish I could be vulnerable for one well, second. Well, and he's made his bed in such a certain way yeah. that if he changes that way, 
everyone hates him all of a sudden. Yeah. So at least he gets some love, albeit from maybe a a, a place he doesn't want it from. Yeah. Now, this of course, is like all like presumptive. But sure. Yeah. No, but that's an interesting yeah. point for sure. Yeah. But anyway, I I, I like it, nothing surprises me with Trump, and I actually weirdly feel bad for him because he's not able no, to have I, like a same. sense of care. Yeah. like he would like because it's so. It's so offensive that it has actually become mm-hmm. high comedy to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know when something is like so fucking brutal that you just like that's actually making me laugh. Like, yeah, you know because I can't. Well, it's weird to be about. sarcastic towards a, a little kid. <laughs> this is it. You're the president of the fucking free world, mm-hmm. and you're making fun of of a 17 year old with Asperger's who actually is saying the most meaningful shit. She's out like there. an activist. Yeah, yeah. she's like yeah. more accomplished. She's than got like 1.7 million. Yeah. Oh, she's she's incredible. Yeah. And well, it's laughing at sincerity. It's laughing at someone who's passionate about something. It's just so <laughs> weak. And and it honestly it's like the lot people always talk about like whatever happened to decorum. You know, we used people used to wear suits to fly on airplanes. And it's like an example like that always makes me roll my eyes cuz I'm like what's decorum? We're going to evolve. But in some ways when I look at the way that Trump acts I'm like, maybe we do need a certain set of like uh, w- rules in which we should operate in polite society. Otherwise, we're all just fucking gutter rats sort of trying to get the funniest laugh or like dog eat dog. It's like, what are we doing? We're all just crabs in a bucket if we yeah. don't have some civility or like compassion or empathy. And it's sort of he's the embodiment of like, get what you can get for yourself and fuck everybody else. Yeah. And deny till you die. And I'm never wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't I can't I will laugh sometimes at the way he says shit because it's so incredibly absurd uh-huh. but he just depresses me and I don't mourn whatever he might be losing out of the human experience because no. I think he makes so many other people's human experience terrible yeah that, that I also would agree with that I, I just say that when you get into this thing where it, get, it makes you depressed yeah. it actually uh, distracts you from what you need to do to actually make shit happen. Like it actually distracts you from making progress occur. Sure. So when people just get so wrapped up and like, can you fucking believe he's trolling a 17 year old? Mm-hmm. Like he's done this literally a thousand times over. You just have to kind of go, I know I actually feel bad. Let's focus on some good shit and put our energy into there. And then things can change. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like horrible people come from horrible places and horrible experiences. Mm-hmm. So I feel bad for them there is a systemic yeah. thing too where yeah. you just go yeah sometimes when i see people who are like really troubled in the street and you can clearly have mental health issues or addicted to drugs and stuff i'm just like oh man i just like i i feel so bad like right. that you've that you've come from a place that clearly you've turned out this way it's just you know heartbreaking to me well and it's like people tend to this day understand it when it's like let's say it's about black crime a lot of people will say, well, this is systemic and it's because of this. But because Trump comes from such a privileged place, it's hard to imagine oh, him coming sure. from another form of a horrible upbringing or uh-huh. uh, emotional damage that kind of made him that way. Well, actually, on the other end of the spectrum to that point, it's like when people are come from like another reality of wealth or, yeah. or privilege and you and like you're actually missing out on the human experience, too, because you're yeah. so disconnected from the rest of us. Sure. And I feel bad for that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, back to speeches. The topic at hand was Sorry. speeches, yeah. uh, and, and more specifically, what makes a good speech? What's your favorite? Who is your favorite speech maker? Mm. Uh, and who don't you like that is maybe considered a good orator or a, a speech maker? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I, I mean, I thought another great speech at the Emmys was uh, Alex Bornstein or Bornstein mm. from. Um, She's been on. Uh, she was on Mad TV. She was on uh, Family Guy as the mom, yep. and she won for Best Supporting Actress on Miss Maisel. Mm. And she gave. Did you see her speech? Nope. I ended up watching a bit of the Emmys because uh, Danica wanted to, to to tune in. She's a Mandy Moore fan, so she wanted to see if Mandy mm. Moore would win in her category. And I was like, Yeah, let's throw it on a Sunday night. And uh, yeah, I just she gave a great speech about how her 
gram like basically how her she comes from a family of survivors because um during the holocaust her grandmother was in line waiting to get shot and thrown in a ditch and her grandmother stepped out of that line and she said to the guard what are you going to do if if i step out of here and he basically said i don't i don't have the i'm not going to shoot you but someone else will and then she Mm -hmm. kept it moving um and she lived and then um, her and her mother obviously survived and she said I'm so grateful because I'm here uh, today and my kids are here today because my grandmother stepped out of line so ladies always step out of line oh very good it was like and like honestly like when that happened real time, Dan and I were watching and, and again I'm, I'm paraphrasing and I'm not doing it well so please go watch your actual speech but it was just a really powerful speech and just a great sort of turn of phrase mm. and like this sort of great lesson but also this sort of like wrapped in a story and it was emotional as, as fucking it was very emotional like Danica was tearing up I was like I felt this weird like it just felt like a moment and that was well before the Michelle Williams speech but I thought that was a great mm-hmm. speech of that night but I guess more general is what you're asking well, well one of my questions related to award shows is how how much do you think they rehearse their speech because they're actors their job is literally a great to question memorize lines at like at length Right, and so so because I thought Michelle Williams was so eloquent, I didn't hear that speech. I'm like, oh, that's fucking perfect. But they are literally in the business of performance and memorizing lines. So I guess my question is like, you know, I see like Robert Downey Jr. He always seems he has this weird frenetic energy, and he's a very like kind of off the cuff. I'm like, has he been rehearsing all this? Because that is sort of his sweet spot. Or Michelle Williams. Like, what, what would you guys guess? Well, it depends how gifted you are at at speech. Uh-huh. Like uh, a guy like. Um <laughs> I forget his name. You just, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. He probably doesn't think much. Like he probably has a few talking points. You think he's just a great orator? Ju- exactly. Orator, yeah. And then a guy like Robert De Niro. He's just not really great off the cuff. He's not mm. a great interview subject, mm. but he's a wonderful actor. Yeah. So if he really wants to do an impactful speech, like when he spoke for, uh, he was honored. Leonardo DiCaprio honored him with some Lifetime Achievement Award, and he really had to come up with a good speech. Whereas someone like you. You're just gifted in that way. Same with Mike. You could just kind of go up and do something off the cuff and probably have it be at least an 8 out of 10 or 7 out of 10 without much planning, right? Whereas yeah. me, I could if I did that, it would be a 4 out of 10. Or I'd put in all my planning and rehearse it like an actor would a big role yeah. and then maybe come out with an 8 or a 9. Yeah, yeah. You'd you know have, I mean? I've seen you hit 10s when you plan. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a chance that it could happen. But it's just beca- because I'm so bad, you almost have to be so good. And this is the, we kind of touched on this when we were talking about having anxiety and it being a gift or a curse. Mm. But yeah, it's, I would say it, actors, the, the spectrum is all the same. As well, here's the, the other question. Actors, as we know, great actors, many of them do not, they're not writers. Yeah. They're great at saying other people's lines. Do you think actors ever hire people to write speeches for them? Great question. It's funny. When you listen to a lot of podcasts, you get a real sense of like, oh, this actor is, you can tell he's got a high IQ. He's like, he's just so smart, well-read. Like Stephen Colbert is an example. Like that guy seems like a brilliant guy. Uh, Different kind of example, but I think is also really smart is Timothy Oliphant. Like I just think he's like a great talker. And then there's other people who like don't talk as much and you go, oh, are they like Leo? You kind of wonder about Leo. Leo doesn't give any interviews and you wonder, like, you know, if he's just having a conversation, is he going to impress you? And I don't know. Mm. So, yeah, I, to answer your question, I bet you it varies from case to case. Like, do you think, like, so here's the thing. You have a one in five or one in six shot of winning the award. So it's like there's also four or five other speeches we never got to hear that could have changed history or made headlines mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, like, do we think, like, a Michelle Williams would have sat down like in her study and wrote that speech out in case she won do you think she had an idea do you think she had like place she wanted to get because yeah. it was said so well i think well, so 
Well, you think she wrote it out? I think, I, I think the process. Unless she's a, unless she's like Stephen Colbert level uh, talker. But I think the process is kind of irrelevant. It's all does it come from the heart? Whether you yeah. plan oh, it no, or no, whether great point. Oh, of okay. course. No, he's oh, answering my question yeah. about hiring a writer. Sorry, I just matter. thought we were talking about what makes for a great speech. Oh, yeah. yeah. By the way, this isn't a criticism. Like, like I love. Oh, and I'm not saying I'm no, not saying yeah. it is. Uh-huh. Uh, but you can have a speech that's worded perfectly and just comes off so disingenuous. Yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. And something you could be a great speaker that is great off the cuff and it still comes across like you're a bit phony. Mm-hmm. But like Cuba Gooding Jr. speech when he won for Jerry Maguire. Oh my God. Like that's like he's not even saying proper words or sentences. He's just yelling names at the end. And he's like, <laughs> You, 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 don't cut me off and like the music's coming in and it's just like one of the best speeches of all time. Yet it's probably one of the worst worded speeches. On paper. Mm. If you were to read yeah. that speech it'd be a disaster. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like you you couldn't plan for that. You know what's funny about award shows, I was thinking about this today, is that oftentimes people just sort of make fun of actors for um, self-aggrandizing uh, and just talking about how important film is. Like, Because the whole thing is like talking about how important film is. Yeah, it's a night for them all to pat themselves on the back. Yeah, celebrate exactly. themselves in their art. And people really give actors a hard time for it. I don't think um, actors as, as professionals think of themselves as any more important than a lot of other professions. I've been to retirement parties for like accountants and lawyers and this and that, teachers, whatever. All I think, the same. I think everybody thinks what they're doing is is important and, and, and can change the world. You know, like think... No, no, hold on, let me finish. Yeah. Is, and, I, and I think there... But the only difference is, is that be, the difference between like um, the, the Emmys versus... Like the 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 award show for accountants or lawyers or plumbers or whatever the is Pro that Max number award one show. promo producers yeah <laughs> or pro, or promo producers number one the Emmys are on TV yeah and number two actors are just annoying <laughs> <laughs> actors like theater kids are just obnoxious and their whole job is to feel and to emote and to <laughs> deliver That's lines so, true. so 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 and so when people are like fuck actors. Fuck them. They think they're so self-important. I go, no, no, no. They don't think they're any more important than any of the rest of us. They just happen to be more annoying about it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I think there's I think there's something to that. Yeah. yeah. I think people find them annoying, too, because, well, I was going to say because of how much money they make. Sure. That always clouds things for people. But to your point, lawyers and doctors make a fortune. I mean, doctors are literally saving lives, so they should give themselves a pat. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah if, we actually go, if we had to go through the standings of like what's actually important, I don't know. We could do that. But yeah. But, but if I, we're talking about who's an, uh, annoying on the scale, like mm-hmm. the uh, original question, I would say Anne Hathaway definitely stands <laughs> out as someone who's- People put- dislike her, yeah. I thought Tom Hiddleston, at, when he, he did a speech after he won for like the night manager- and it was just it felt like a, like a self-aggrandizing. I, I can't remember it, so I probably shouldn't speak yeah. to it like very well. But I just remember everyone being like, "What the fuck is he talking?" All about? I'm saying is, there's some plumbers out there that if they could get to Tom Hiddleston level of like talking about themselves, they'd do it. They'd be yeah. just as they uh, would just unbearable. be as unbearable. <laughs> I, like honestly, you go through every That's profession if they're like, yeah. "Oh man," like because people feel that way about themselves. But the only people who can get to that level of like emotion is, mm-hmm. are those people. That's hilarious. Uh, but um, when it comes to speech makers, who's um, uh, you know, it's so f- uh, jarring when you hear Obama speak now versus what you we put up with Trump every day. Yeah, and it's like a warm blankie to me. I don't know, like hearing a Obama warm blankie. <laughs> it's true when I hear Obama speak because he doesn't talk that much. You said anymore. it's what calms you on flights when it, you're scared. It tr- truly it does. I just think he's an inc- he is. I think the best speech maker of our time. A lot of people find him, um, or people have said that he's a little too professorial, sure. and that he uh, 
it, they don't find him as engaging mm. because it can be it can start to get weighted down in sort of like um like a professor at the, at the sure. front of a Fair lecture. And, you know what I mean? I, I don't feel that he way. Can I agree. I agree, yeah, I agree with you that I think well. he's the he's same. Incredible. I think he's a, a, an amazing speaker. I, lo- I love listening to him. Um, anybody else come to mind that you that you like or dislike? Justin Trudeau sucks. Okay, this is what I wanted to get to. Okay, he, yeah. A is lot that, of politicians in Canada, they just scream into the microphone. I've seen Andrea Horvath speak mm-hmm. as well. She does the same thing. It's just so disengaging. You know what's weird about Trudeau is that Trudeau on... If you were to read the text of his speech, I think I'd probably like agree with the messaging. I think mm-hmm. it's like very thoughtful messaging most of the time. Um, but he has a very robotic voice. Like the rhythms of the way he says it, I just do not feel the emotion that mm-hmm. like. yeah there's a spectrum i think of his speeches but the ones where he's like yelling and it's like raspy it's like so bad <laughs> speaking of actors and performances and politicians isn't it a little bit wild that basically someone's electability comes down to their performative sort of skill level mm-hmm. like yeah. meaning like i can get up and i can give i can be inspiring like that's a weird skill set that might not have anything to do with setting policy that actually is better for the population what yeah. a wild fucking thing that we've it's introduced your head position it's literally like yeah. the mascot it's the monorail from fucking simpsons yeah. it's just like are you the most engaging are you the most charismatic let's elect that guy or that gal which and makes an like, argument for hiring an actor to be the leader of the party which is essentially it's happened reagan trump. it's yeah. happened with trump yeah schwarzenegger too yeah because governor of california actually you know what i, I didn't up, trudeau do some acting uh he was, he was a, a drama, teacher. drama teacher drama teacher like what is and up? he's good looking. And well, that's what you want to find. The whole goal of this is to find the most charismatic person who shares the same beliefs as you. Yeah. Like yeah. every party's represented with your beliefs with the most charismatic person mm-hmm. at the head of it, right? Yeah. Um, I, I met uh, I met a guy who works for the Liberal Party. Uh, he works in Trudeau's office. And he said that, uh, you know, people think of Trudeau as sort of like a dummy drama teacher, basically. That he's just like a pretty boy who doesn't, who's not that smart. But he's like, that's actually kind of a secret weapon for us because he's actually pretty smart. And one thing he's really good at. <laughs> what a ringing endorsement. Yeah, that's nice <laughs> he's to actually say. pretty no, no. smart. <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. He's, no, he's smarter than you think. Oh, <laughs> another ringing endorsement. <laughs> smarter than you think on a billboard <laughs> wearing glasses. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I was gonna say was that he's good. He's great at retaining information. So, like right. uh, to your point about memorizing lines, yeah, is that he can go into any town hall, any speech, in any community, get the notes fifteen minutes before it goes on. Like this is not what you need to talk about. So he doesn't even know what he's saying. He's just saying it <laughs> on a certain level. But he knows more than you think he no, would. No, but he, but, but honestly, to, to Mike's yeah. point, it's 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 literally one of the qualities. It's like you don't want to be a viral idiot. Like you need to be, mm-hmm. you need to know your talking points, and you, yeah. you know, you're you're literally your job is to give speeches. You know, it's it's like you know, even when you talk back to coaching, it's like there's the coaches on the team. It's like, are they the most skilled at mm-hmm. offensive or defensive? Like, no, they hire people to be really good at that, and they have to kind of be the figureheads and you know take the heat when it's good sure. and celebrate when they lose. I don't know. Different skill sets, different yeah. responsibilities. Yeah. I get that. Um, you were also saying like anyone that you think that is considered a good speaker that 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 mm-hmm. that you don't. I mean, I don't have any. I say Trudeau is that. I feel like I thought people like Trudeau as a speaker, and something about him always kind of doesn't resonate with me. I'm agnostic on like my opinions on his speaking, but yeah, I don't. I don't listen to him and be like, wow, that's you know. I'm just like, eh. You you know, it is what it is. Um, and that that's literally not even the content of what he's saying. It's almost the way he's saying to it. To me, he just never seems like, and Obama would say this too, he never seems like he's just coming up with something off the cuff. Mm. You value that in like a speaker. You want that sort of like... Um, well, it, uh, it, from the heart. it makes it seem genuine. Yeah, I agree. Who do you think is a good speaker? 
Well, Did uh, come to mind? Hmm. I, nobody like I liked um what was that guy who died Jack Layton or something yeah yeah uh, I liked him he had a real like he's my Provincial. dad vibe sure which totally. I like like uh, and uh, same with the who's that astronaut that we we had Chris Hadfield yeah. Chris Hadfield has that good he's my dad they both have mustaches does that have anything to do with it I don't I don't know maybe Shane, Shane has a mustache <laughs> okay but okay politics I don't aside, have that vibe though who do who's your favorite talker this is a good one but, like because we listen to a lot of podcasts who's the person who's just like can string together sentences. Oh, I, I love Owen Wilson. Like, uh, he's one of my favorite talkers. Very calming voice. Very funny. Uh, his insights, I, I find I agree the with. The word choices are interesting. Yeah. Like, that kind of shit. Like, his vocal tics aren't annoying, mm. which most people's are. Yeah. yeah. Owen Wilson. Mike, who's your favorite talker? I don't know. I don't know. I, I listen to, like, I do listen to a lot. And I, I some people really sort of, I don't think anyone stands out. Like, I mean, it's funny you mentioned... There's certain people that I've listened to on podcasts, like Simmons will have like Malcolm Gladwell. I love Chuck Klosterman. That's what I'll say. I really like listening to Chuck Klosterman speak about sort of pop culture or societal things because I think he 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 really thinks about different angles and sort of a way where when I listen to him describe things, I go, oh, that's fascinating. And I just like the way he speaks. I like Mm -hmm. the words he chooses. I like the angle, like the directions he goes in. Sometimes when I listen to him on Simmons, I feel like he's... Sometimes he'll say something like, oh, I get where you're going. And then Simmons will say something back. And I'm like, Simmons does not know where he's going right now. Yeah, yeah, Because like, sure. maybe Simmons isn't listening, actively listening. Maybe he's just waiting to get to the next mm. question or something. But anyway, so I go with Klosterman. You? Cool. Um, John Dickerson and uh, David Plotz, who ho- host the Slate Political Gab Fest, which I yeah. love. Those two have a way of explaining things and word choice and stringing together sentences in a way that I just find to be very impressive. What do you think of Malcolm Gladwell's voice? I love it. See, I don't know. Sometimes I would just want to kill him, and sometimes I like mm. it. It's like so mood dependent. It I is very, it. it is very unique. It's an idiosyncratic yeah. voice, but I do like it. I, 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 I side with Max. Did you listen to his latest Simmons pod? Oh yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. I loved it. Who do you like listening to, Erica? Um, I love Conan. Mm, I love Conan. He's just great. He's yeah. just captivating. Yeah. Like he could say anything, yeah. and I would listen to it. Yeah. Um, but when you were talking about uh, Michelle Williams' speech, it made me think of a few years back. The woman who won, and I, it wasn't at the Emmys. I think it was the Oscars. Well, and I, you're, Francis, I, Francis, oh, Francis yeah. McDermott. You know who? She, yeah, she was. She was just like such a boss ass bitch mm-hmm. when she went on that stage. She was like inclusion rider, and everybody was like, "Holy fuck!" And like, I think it was like right term? at yeah, yeah, and it was like right Googled at the end. Right and like I was watching it live, and like it was just so everybody. I was just like, "Holy shit!" You know, who you know I sorry. You know what was good about that speech too? I think this gets back to Shane's thing about authenticity. It didn't have the polish of Michelle Williams' speech. It just felt very visceral. Totally, it was no a bit polish. Clunky. It was a bit like out of nowhere. It was like, completely. You know what I mean? Didn't and think that's anybody. So commanding too. Yeah. yeah, like and scary a little bit. It was a little scary. She yeah. like got on stage. She's like, "Thank you. I got some shit to say," and everybody was like. Holy! Whoa. In that vein, <laughs> but different. Olivia Coleman last year at the. Uh, I haven't seen the speech. Oh my god, she was amazing. She won for the favorite. Yeah, she yeah. was so overwhelmed, but so charming, so funny. I don't know if she had any political mm-hmm. moment, but it was very good. Well, and it's also when somebody uh, they win an award. Most of the time, when you see a speech, I find someone's won an award. If they actually seem happy and that that it's not so pre-rehearsed, like sometimes at a wedding, I'll see someone and they'll be like. That last speech uh, by my sister was so beautiful. And it's like, you wrote that before you even heard the speech. <laughs> and that speech sucked. Yeah, but Shane, you didn't have to say that out loud after three <laughs> yeah. drinks. No, but uh, our friend AJ ran into a situation where he was like, 
that last speech was uh, incredible. And yeah. he's like, actually, I wrote this before I heard the speech, and that wasn't really a speech. They just played a weird game. So no, huge <laughs> laugh, huge but, laugh. But that's what I mean. It yeah. was genuine yeah. because he acknowledged yeah. the uh, mistake that he, he made. Yeah. Um, one thing I I cannot handle in my soul. If you talk to Danica, like I, I don't really watch like award shows anymore because bad comedic bits. I cannot watch. Mm. It is like like when it's like what? you're a writer of those things. Well, it's not. On the, it's just like if you're not performing it right. Like say the conceit's bad from the start, and then they're out there and there's flop sweat. I was saying, um, um, what's what's that guy's name? Ken Jong from. Uh, he did yeah. a thing on the Emmys where it was like he was doing he was doing a TikTok. He's like the kids are doing TikTok, and so my daughter's doing TikTok, and it was just like he was out there like tap dancing for laughs, and I was just dying along with him. So I'm like, when bits don't work. It's the worst. When they work, I fucking love it. And there was a few that worked at the Emmys. Um, but I just like, it feels so labored sometimes when I'm watching. And I feel, just feel embarrassed for the performer. Mm. I feel embarrassed weirdly for the people in the room that have to either fake laugh or sit there awkwardly. So that's one thing. But then when it comes to the speeches, I actually will leave the room. You can ask my wife, Danica, if somebody's going too long or you realize it's like, you know they're only going to give you 30 seconds. So you need to like get it tight or at least figure out the people that matter the most there's probably like 15 important people you could easily say 15 names in 30 seconds you would say 15 names in 10 seconds and then do 20 seconds to, to do something emotional like your, your mother your father or whatever the first person got into the business and then they start playing people off i just cannot watch people get played off in their moment of mm. triumph whether they've won an emmy a grammy or a, an oscar it's like oh this guy's just like an editor on a film he's some dude that sits in an edit bay like us and this is his moment he's not a great speaker she's not a great speaker and they're going too long and now they're trying to play them off because they want to let fucking you know whomever Sam Rockwell speak for three minutes so that means that this person only gets 30 I can't stand the construct of it I have to leave the room one of the funniest uh, pieces of journalism that I've ever read was from the Guardian after last year's Oscars I believe where they basically did a recap of one acceptance speech which was like for some obscure category in the Grammys where it was like three people that came up on stage together and gave the most awkward speech in the history of speeches <laughs> and they basically did like an annotated version of like what happened in, the, in like in each moment and it's so fucking funny wow. oh I, I, I got, we'll post it it's okay. really, really really good Okay, so we're going to keep it moving because here's a topic we had. We're going to save it till the next episode, which was Lenny Kravitz lost his sunglasses. Oh, I like that. And made an email account to have them returned. Uh, so that will be a topic we talk about another time. The reason we're bouncing it is because our boy Shane Cunningham, our pop culture aficionado, played in an NBA Jam tournament. And he did this on the weekend. We have been around each other now for like... 48 hours, we were texting at the start of the tournament. I have no idea how this turned out. We told him to save everything until the podcast. I want to know, how did you get into this? How did it go? Are you a champion? What is going on with this? Well, I'll let you know at the end. Uh, <laughs> do you know what the, the game NBA Jam is, Erica? <laughs> no. Do you know what Sega Genesis is? Uh yeah, it's a it's a console, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's a 16-bit console, and they, uh, in 1993, they came out with a game called NBA Jam, which is two-on-two basketball. It's NBA teams, tw all 27 NBA teams in 1993. There's only 27 NBA teams. The next year, in 1994, they came out with NBA Jam Tournament Edition. So they add an extra player to your roster, still two-on-two basketball, but then you can do a substitution. And they added injuries to uh, this game. So players can actually get fatigued and injured in this game, which slows them down. So it's way more strategic. And back in 1994, when this game came out, uh, how old was I? I was 11. I became the best NBA Jam player, honestly, 
in the world. <laughs> <laughs> like I did like at the age of eleven. I, I was un- voted on by your unbeaten. mother and sister. No one had ever beat me. I tried to get all the best players I knew and everyone was playing Sega back then. I'd have kids come to my house, kids I didn't even know come to my house. We would start playing after school. We would stop playing at like three AM. Kids you didn't even know. Kids who just told me they were really good. And every kid thinks they're good, right? But I actually lived up to the hype. And then I would try to train my friends how to be good. And honestly, it was like, it was embarrassing. I was beating the computer by 150 points. I was beating my friends by 80 points. My, my, the friend who got the best, which was maybe Cam Valentine, who's been on this podcast. He's a DJ. DJ Cam. <laughs> Calm down, Max. Uh, <laughs> but I, I could beat him every time by at least 35 points. So anyway, I put the game behind me. Like I, I just realized, okay, it's actually boring now for me to play. And then about two years ago, I decided to buy another Sega and get back into NBA Jam a little bit. So for about a week, I was obsessed with it, just playing my wife, just killing her by 80 points. It's not a big deal. She sucks at the game forever. But my friend Sean Menard, he messages me and he says, there's an NHL 94 tournament coming out. But it's also a hybrid tournament where they have an NBA Jam section. You have to sign up for this. I'm like, don't have to ask me twice. Boom. Sign right up for it. And then I was expecting some major competition. But I was also expecting to kick everybody's ass by at least 20. But I'm unsure. But I'm training. I'm, I'm looking up YouTube tutorials. I'm like, I want to, I'm looking up best NBA Jam player in the world. I'm watching guys play on extra hard against the CPU. And they're still only beating That's the computer. The computer. They're only beating the computer by forty to sixty points. I beat the computer by eighty points every on extra time. hard. On extra hard, I, you can't get me to this tournament fast enough. I just want the damn trophy. <laughs> so, and Menard's very good at NHL '94, but he still considers himself like a really good amateur player. So, he enters himself. It's called the Duke of '94. So it's it's for players who aren't like super obsessed like playing online every night because you can't play NHL ninety four online. Uh, but I enter King of Jam, and King of Jam is for players who consider themselves the best in the world. Well, you were an eleven year old protege. Why would exactly? Like so Bobby Fisher kind of shit. Yeah. 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 So a- anyway, Menard's tournament goes from nine a.m. till four p.m. My tournament goes from four p.m. till ten thirty at night. Uh, I show up to watch Menard, uh, and then. It's just the playoffs are just starting when I get there around three. Men- for context for our listeners, Sean Menard, who uh, you grew up with, and my brother, best friends, he directed the Carter Effect, produced mm-hmm. by Drake Hit and LeBron. Documentary about Vince Carter. Yeah, yeah. He was at TIFF. Yeah. yeah also, check it out. It's amazing. NHL '94 player. Go on. So you go to watch him. And then uh, so Menard's just when I walk, his his uh, fiance is actually there too to support him. And uh, so I walk up. She waves me down. He's in an intense game. It's in overtime. If he loses, he's out. And then it's just a goal scored. I don't know uh, if it was Sean or if it was his opponent, but Sean just like goes, good game. Shakes the guy's hand. I'm like, oh, fuck, Sean. I'm just, I just got here and you lose. Sean goes, oh, I won, baby. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. And Sean, I noticed there's a camera crew kind of following Sean around because someone's doing a, a dock on NHL 94 and there's other camera crews that are documenting the whole game because this thing's being live streamed. And it's on like a huge uh, screen, the NHL 94. It's like the main event. And there's announcers commentating on the game. So you play. You actually have two guys saying, it's oh, like- Menard passes to this guy. Oh, Menard's really playing well and everything. And Menard is such a ham 
that he's become the big star. So everyone <laughs> is all about Menard. Now he's in the championship. Five-game series for the championship. And Menard, he loses the first two, and then he comes back at the end and then still ends up losing uh, the game in the third. So Menard's like, oh, fuck, came close. But he's he does a post-game interview because <laughs> even though even though the guy who beat he's him, sweat. the guy beat him on the championship, everyone wanted to get Menard uh, an interview with mm. Menard. And Menard's like hamming it up. He's like, you know, I didn't do what I wanted to do this tournament, but next year I'm going to come back. I'm going to be better than ever. And guess what? I'm here to make the announcement. Everybody ready? I'm going to the pros next year. And, like, yeah. <laughs> and, and people are just loving Menard. Anyway, now it's my turn to shine. And I've been bragging to Menard this whole time. I'm like, oh, you think you're good at NHL 94. I am a god at NBA Jam. Just wait until you see me. Menard's like, I can't wait. Did you did you sign up under Shane Cunningham? No. Uh, that'd be a good name. Just Shaney Boy. Okay. Mm. 69? But I, I – uh, no. I thought that He's might be inappropriate. Any, any money on the line? There is. Okay. I'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm, I have about an hour till – it's time for me to play. Till tip-off. Yeah, till tip-off. But I see guys kind of playing practice games, and I'm like, ah, that's kind of a stupid move because they'll kind of understand your game. But I'm like, I can't fucking wait. I just got to play somebody who's into this game as much as me. So I see this really buff dude. He's kind of breaking the mold of what you would consider a retro gamer, which would mm. probably be like balding, kind of overweight, <laughs> nerdier guy. Like you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, <laughs> we're not that close yet. <laughs> Do you think I'm overweight, Erica? No, I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. Balding, I can handle. But um, but anyway, this guy, uh, he's really ripped. And I go, hey, do you, uh, you want to play a game? Can we do this? Is that cheating? What, how do you feel about it? He goes, I'll play you. And I, I get talking to him. He flew from Vancouver Whoa. for this competition. And he clearly he knows what he's doing, I can tell. But we start the game. I pick uh, San Antonio Spurs, which is my team. He picks, I believe, the Supersonics. We uh, <laughs> we we start playing, and I just I score the first six points, and then I catch fire. And when you catch fire, you can do unlimited goaltending, mm. which is it's almost like uh, like God mode in the game. Mm -hmm. And then I just I end up beating him by twenty points. He starts figuring me out in about the third quarter, mm. but I beat him handedly. And he's like, dude, he's like, you have nothing to worry about in this tournament. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really confident. I'm like, buff pro. A pizza just came in the room. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Did they, hear, they they heard the champ was here. Thank you, Ash. Carry on. So I'm like, I am actually as good as I think. I am. Can I have a slice of that? Yeah, please. I'm like, I am actually as good as I think I am. Anyway, then I see the vocally caged guy. He's coming over to the NBA Jam area to kind of oh, talk to me. Oh, yeah, who just won? I go, oh, no. I go, you're not playing in this tournament. And this guy looks like your typical gamer. He's like, you know, uh, unshowered look, a little bit overweight. He's wearing pajama pants and like a very extra large shirt. And he's You like, just described my retirement, by the way, bro. <laughs> Sounds like heaven but he, to me. But he's like, uh, he's like, I am playing. And he's like, you want to know what? I'm better at this game than I am uh, NHL 94. He goes, I consider NBA Jam my game. Oh, shit. And I'm just like, oh, fuck no. There's no way I can beat this guy if he's as good as he says he is. Because everyone was, by the way, complaining about this guy, how good he was and how he shouldn't have been in that amateur league. Some people speculated he could have won the pros, the NHL 94. Ringer. Exactly. So anyway, I'm like, okay, whatever. Tournament actually starts, and I play... Uh, the buff dude who I played before. His name's his screen name's Satinder. 
So I start playing Satinder, and I get Sean and Montien to sit in the uh, like little seats behind me. Let's call it the bleachers. Yeah. And uh, instantly, he's he well one. He picks the teams. How it works is the second player picks the player for the f- first player team. You flip a coin, you decide who does this, and then you get to decide out of those two teams which team you want to pick. So he p- picks the L.A. Clippers and L.A. Lakers. Now, those are two of the worst teams in NBA Jam. So I'm like, fuck, I thought he was going to pick two really good teams. I'm not super accustomed. He to wanted playing. a rock fight. Right. And he is excellent at playing with shitty teams. Mm. So I've, I've, Great strategy. I'm an idiot. I pick the Lakers. I should have picked the Clippers because the Lakers are the absolute worst team. Was it and, the Nick Van Exel Lakers? Yeah. And yep. Vladi. Oh, there you go. Anyway, Vladi's way too slow. Yep. He's, he starts fucking killing me right off the bat and Montian and Sean are behind me and when I start doing bad I start doing worse because I, I start getting really nervous and kind of ashamed and embarrassed he ends up beating me by 16 points what and I'm like oh fuck was this guy just messing with me like white men can't jumping me in the exhibition <laughs> up. He's, uh, what's that yeah. pool uh, shark shark yeah <laughs> so anyway next next up is vocally caged side note i was texting with my good friend shane cunningham i wanted to come up and support him the the, yeah. the, the this is all happening up in north york i was like i'm gonna come see and he just wrote back i was on a text with him and menard and he just said don't come till the chip he didn't want me to come for the well, fucking too, tournament because it looks really good when you're in the championship because you get to play on this huge screen right it's like massive and the announcers are actually i'm saying i want you. to come support you i know but when you would have come you would have seen me play on this little ridiculous tv yeah with no fanfare yeah. i only wanted you to come when it mattered <laughs> but then i started losing a lot of confidence after the first game anyway it's now yeah. hey dan come listen to the end of the story come on wait in. no who is this i don't want this dan you know dan oh gee we okay get in together. here dan I thought it was Dan Hamilton. Uh, there's a seat back here if you want to have a seat, Dan. Yeah, Shane is, uh, is Good in to the see middle you, of a... Um, he played uh, NBA Jam, and he was in a tournament this weekend. I know. I've been hearing the stories for months. Now. Okay. <laughs> Do you know NBA Jam? No. Did you play it? Yeah. Were you good? Okay, good, because, okay, anyway, I'll get to the, you later. Um, <laughs> so, Vocally Caged comes up, and as we know, Vocally Caged won the 94 thing against Menard, and he's been telling me how good he is. Start playing Vocally Caged, I just murder him. Oh. So, I'm like, jeez, okay, I know I can beat Satinder, because I beat him in an exhibition game, and I just kind of fucked up which team I, I picked. I should have picked the Clippers, but anyway, ended up murdering Vocally Caged. Then there's this guy, his name is uh, Slapshot. Comes up, he's next. Playing basketball, but going. Yeah, playing basketball. He was also in the NHL tournament. A lot of a, dual a, threats. A lot of guys were good at every system, every game. Hey, Brandon, if you want to listen to this podcast. Oh, jeez. What's <laughs> for our yeah. listeners? We're all going to the, the we're all going to the Blue Jays game after this. So as we're wrapping this pod, just people keep walking by, and Matt <laughs> keeps inviting them in, which is putting Shane under a lot of pressure. Yeah, much this like isn't this a good tournament. story. This, this is want... a great story. Nah. Now we need to seat. know. So, okay, so you meet your the third guy on your your journey. Okay. Third guy, slap shot. Murder him. <laughs> fucking kill him. And this guy was a real cocky Isn't guy, too. Robin? How do you determine who goes on? Because you lost your first game. You, you you're work? guaranteed four games, and then after that, it's uh, double elimination. Okay. So, uh, I kill I, I kill slap shot. And slap shot is very cocky also. He's telling me he's trained by... He's from Chicago. He flew in. And trained he, by Michael Jordan. No, he's telling me, <laughs> He's trained by all the best video game guys in this community. Okay. Oh, sorry. So <laughs> better than community. Michael Jordan, yeah. At the game, probably. <laughs> His community. There is a big community. I don't doubt it. So I murder him, and then I'm like, oh, it's this weird thing where all the guys who are really nice and humble 
are good, and all the cocky guys get their ass whooped by me. So then after that game, I walk up to Satinder, who had beat me in the first game, and he's like white as a ghost at this point. I'm like, uh, what's wrong? He's like, what's wrong? He's like, I just got my ass whooped by Mort. I'm like, who's Mort? He's like, he's, he's like, Mort is fucked. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he doesn't play his best player. I'm like, what do you mean he doesn't play his best player? I'm like, he's like, wait, wait. He doesn't play his best player till the second half. Ah, I'm like, strategy. I'm like, why the fuck would he do that? He goes, and then Mort comes by and he's like, oh, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you later. <laughs> he's scared of Mort. <laughs> Shh, keep it down, man. I'll show you Mort. Mort is 6'4". He's like out of the Simpsons where you would imagine a guy you would be terrified in a tournament like this. So I've queued up a video of Mort. Mort is actually in an ESPN documentary about his video game skills. So. I always try to keep my edge on these other guys. Try to find some new little trick, some new little game I could toy with them with. <laughs> my name is Francis Bunagel, but to the Tecmo world, I'm known as Mort. So this guy is a legend in the gaming community. Like he's he's just uh, like a savant at every game. Mm. So I'm like, okay, uh, I'm I'm fucked. Like you know, I'm not. I'm I got beat by Satinder. I'm gonna get beat by Mort, and then I'm gonna get knocked out. Next game, I play Mort. He beats me. He smokes me by forty points. Wow. So here's his strategy. He doesn't. He plays his worst players uh, right off the top. Injures the fuck out of you. He doesn't care if you get a 15 to nothing lead, which Satinder actually got on him. He goes, I got a 15 to nothing lead. And he ended up beating me by 20. Now, Mort beat me by 40. And what he does is he lets you score and he just, he injures your best player. He just keeps injuring, injuring, injuring. Doesn't care about the score. Doesn't pay attention to anything. Second half, he substitutes his best player in and then just runs the whole game while you're going so slow. Because when you have high injuries... You just move very slow. Mm. And then he just, he has the whole game figured out. He knows exactly. Genius strategy. Do you respect this? Or yeah. do you think it's cheap? No, because you can do it too. And then he's, he's so like confident in his abilities after the game. He'll tell you what to do. He's like, oh yeah, you, you just gotta, uh, you gotta just use your best player in the second half. And then he just goes on and on and he tells me everything. He gives me, he invented this like uh, tier strategy of all the best teams he's like here is your fatal flaw he's like in the first two teams you gave me the option to pick two teams you picked the supersonics and uh the houston rockets he goes i picked the houston rockets houston rockets are actually the best team in the league he's like believe it or not they're a tier one team seattle supersonics are a tier three team in the lower half i was like oh fuck i always thought because of sean kemp being such a strong player that they were the best one of the better teams they're not the rockets fucking kill with it. So he had a not only did he know all the strategy, he also knew the better team who's way better like Were on, they the Elijah Wan, Clyde Drexler uh Houston Rockets? No, no, no. Uh Clyde Drexler played for the, the Trailblazers in this. It's uh, uh Robert Ori, um Elijah Wan, uh, and Kenny Smith. So he gives you the he gives you the strategy to beat him. Right. So then I got now now it's I've made it an uh far enough where I'm in the the next uh, double elimination. Just cuz I've lost two doesn't mean I'm out. It just knocks me into the lower bracket. And then I uh, have to play Slapshot again because mm. he's in the lower bracket because he lost. But Slapshot thinks he's out. And he's somehow, even though they don't serve alcohol, he's gotten really drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, oh, I thought it was over. And I'm like, oh, no, we got a game. So Slapshot sits down and he's like, you know, I am really good. I, uh, I'm better than I seem. I, I train actually with Mort. 
I'm like, you know him? He's like, I play him like every day. And I've beaten Mort sometimes. Wow. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, uh, let's play uh, Seattle and uh, Houston. So stupidly, he picks Seattle. He thinks Kemp's going to bring him home. Exactly. I'm yeah. like, ah, this doesn't seem like a guy who's been training with Mort too much. Because <laughs> I was pretty confident I could kick his ass with any team. I pick Houston. But now he's like a super angry, desperate man. So I, I first play of the game, I steal the ball off uh, the glove, which is uh, Gary, Gary Payton. Payton yeah. And he's like, fucking glove my ass. And he, he's, he's all pissed off and screaming at the top of the lungs, swearing. And then I'm, I'm up by like 15 points at the end of the first quarter. I'm up by 40 at the end of the second quarter. And he's yelling about uh, Detlef Shrimp, how yeah. he fucking hates him. And his favorite show is Parks and Rec, and apparently Detlef's on that yeah, show. Yeah, he's on that show. I didn't know that. And he has a shirt that says, like, bitch fuck on it or something. And he's – I don't. anyway, he, he, <laughs> he's going off in the, the craziest, angriest way. Anyway, just murder him by I, – I think I ended up beating him by 50 points. Mm. Then uh, I go on to play uh, Satinder in the semifinals. And then uh, I lost to him. And then I was out. Oh, you lost to Satinder. Yeah, Satinder. Where this all started. Yeah, Satinder ended up beating me by, I believe, 12 points. Who is Did you think close. about employing Mort's strategy to Satinder? Or did I you... tried, but Mort had already indoctrinated uh, Satinder and told him all the moves. <laughs> he, was, he was one of uh, Mort's acolytes as well. Yeah, and here's, here's the really shocking part. Mort ended up losing in the finals, not to Satinder, because Satinder ended up losing the next game to a guy named DPS, Daniel Patrick Slattery. <laughs> who is fucking amazing. This guy is the best player I've ever seen in my life. Whoa. And uh, so they play in a five-game series at the end. I watched it on a live stream on this platform called Twitch. But at the end of the uh, tournament, Daniel gives a speech. <laughs> and he says, this is the best tournament I've ever competed in in terms of players. And he goes, although there was only seven players competing, he said, if there was 130 uh, like his last tournament, there was 130 players. He goes, I guarantee you it would have boiled down to these seven players. Wow. And, so, including was, Shane Cunningham? No, he didn't say that. Oh. But but then uh, before I left, because I, I was like, oh, I got to go. Menard didn't want to stick around to watch the championship. I was like, man, I suck. I thought I was good. And he's like, don't you say that. He's like, you are an excellent player. Aww. And then he gave me the tier strategy. He's like, we all invented this. So now mm -hmm. you'll always have this tier thing on you. So you'll know. And he's like, and there's another tournament in Cleveland. November 16th, 17th. He's like, you got to be there. Oh. And he's like, there's a guy who kicks my ass and makes me feel the way uh, these guys made you feel. Mm. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to start training for that <laughs> tournament. But what I need is somebody who's listening to this or maybe in this room right now drinking a Perrier who's maybe <laughs> exceptionally good at the game to help me train for this tournament. Mm. Dan Rosenthal, are you exceptionally good at the game? I'm not going to say that, no. No. <laughs> really? See, that's my whole theory. Guys who act all humble are secretly good at the game. 